Welcome to the Follow the Leaders podcast, where we get a glimpse into the minds and lives of exceptional leaders and hear about their experiences, insights, and strategies for success. On today's episode, we'll hear from one heart-centered, effective leader and hear about their wisdom and perspective. So get ready to follow along. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by a leader who has his finger on the pulse of the city where we live in a way very few people do. If you have ever been to or lived in Madison, Wisconsin, you know that the downtown area is the absolute heart of our city. And today's guest leads an organization that plays a huge role in shaping what happens downtown. I'm honored to be joined by Jason Ilstrup for today's episode. Jason is the president of Downtown Madison, Inc., a not-for-profit organization committed to the economic health and vitality of downtown Madison. Its members include businesses and organizations located throughout the Madison region, as well as local government agencies and downtown residents. Prior to joining DMI, Jason worked in hotel management and development at Hotel Red, the Iron Horse Hotel, and the Madison Concourse Hotel. Before entering hospitality, Jason served as a legislative aide and legal counsel for several politicians, including Representative Martin Sabo and Representative Barney Frank. Jason is also a returned Peace Corps volunteer and attended Boston University and the University of Minnesota Law School. He was raised near downtown Minneapolis and is unlucky enough to be a Minnesota Vikings fan. Very unfortunate in our neck of the woods, but I'll let it slide for today. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jason. Leadership and Madison are my two very favorite topics, and so this is a real treat for me. Well, thank you for having me, but I should correct that it's not just unfortunate for you that I'm a Vikings fan. It is unfortunate for me because we're like a good franchise and we just can't quite win it all or this year win any game. So yes, it's a badge of honor in some ways and not a badge of honor in others. Well, I'll, I'll confess that as I shouldn't say this as a true Wisconsinite, but I'm a huge Indiana Pacers fan because when I started falling in love with basketball, I was in middle school and Reggie Miller was mm. the king. And so I have just stayed very loyal to the team, which is equally unfortunate <laughs> as their current record shows. So I, I feel you on that. All right. So you are president of this dynamic organization. Can you share with listeners a snapshot of what your work life looks like? That's a, that's a great question. You can ask my loved ones. Every day is completely different. Uh, there's so much dynamic things that are happening here in downtown Madison it means that my job is also pretty dynamic and I, I get pulled in a million different directions. But we work on a lot of issues, mainly in advocacy. So we advocate on behalf of our members in local government on issues like transportation, economic development, uh, quality of life, equity inclusion. We also do a ton of community building. So we run a lot of events where we try to build community in and around the downtown. Uh, we do tours, we do happy hours, we run large lecture series, you name it. My day is very much different, but it's all mainly focused on my love of connecting people. I, I love connecting people. I love making connections between people that you wouldn't normally think that they should be connected and seeing where that leads, if that creates uh, new jobs or a friendship, but who knows? But really all of the work that I do is about connecting people and all Really, in the end, if you make the right connections, you can build an economically strong, equitable, inclusive, and vibrant downtown to live, work, and visit. So maybe zoom out to a whole week. What does your job entail? <laughs> it's a big job. You know, I, we obviously, we work a lot. 
but it, it really, every single week is different. And it's made up of meetings with city officials. I literally just walked out of a meeting where the mayor was there and, and other nonprofit leaders and another transportation leader. Later today, we're, we're on a board with the foundation for Destination Madison, our great partners. I've got a, an, I'm setting my own podcast in my own meeting uh, later today with Alder Mike Verveer to talk about all things downtown. So it really does, it runs the gamut. And there's just so much happening in downtown. We get pulled in a million different directions and we try to bring those directions together and unite those directions so we can build that strong downtown for everybody. So how did you step into this leadership role? Great question. So the last organization I worked for was Hotel Red, which is a was a hotel. It's no longer there directly across from Camp Randall Stadium, although it is now Steve Brown did an amazing job in creating the stadium loft. So it's still open, but now is apartments and they've got a great new restaurant. Cafe Cantina, right in the lobby. There's your there's your first pl- shameless plug, Jamie. Sorry. <laughs> Great, perfect. Do it. I was working there doing development. We were expanding the hotel, planning to expand the hotel, and then operating the hotel as general manager. And we were had been longtime members of Downtown Madison Inc. We believed in the organization. We, we were excited about the work that they did. Uh, and for us at Hotel Red, which is the edge of downtown, it was a very important organization. And the job came open and I applied and I got lucky enough to, to get the position. And that's almost six years now I've been president of Downtown Madison Inc. Awesome. You took the leap and, it, and it's paying off because your impact is felt so broadly. Downtown Madison is a complex organism with so many moving parts, which you've just explained between the businesses and UW Madison and being the home of a state capital. And obviously it's a residential area too. And these stakeholders and interests often have conflicting priorities and interests, which play out very publicly in true Madison form. And I'm curious, as the leader of Downtown Madison, Inc., how do you approach this interesting and ever-changing puzzle? How do you handle those different priorities? That is the job in a nutshell. There are many different organizations, companies, nonprofits, residents, visitors. They all have a stake in what happens in downtown. And sometimes those stakes can be heading in different directions, right? And people are doing different things. Uh, And it's our job to try to at least bring them together to, to discuss and figure out where can we find commonality and where can we build upon the successes we've had in the past and try to figure out what those differences are and and get over them to to move forward. And I like to look at downtowns as being organic creatures. They're organic and every day it's changing, it's shifting. They're organic and how they move into the future as well. Mainly we think that a successful downtown has four key elements, which are all revolving around people and vibrancy. But you have a lot of residents that live in the downtown. You have a lot of workers, office workers and workers working at all times of day. You have a lot of events that draw in folks from the other parts of the city or the area, say from north side or west side or east side or Fitchburg, drawing them in to come into events. Think things like the farmer's market or concerts on the square or Taste of Madison. And then lastly, you have to have a very robust tourism scene. You would love to have people from Chicago spending their money here or Minneapolis or New York or Tokyo or it doesn't matter where. That is a big part of it. But in the last couple of years, that is still the rule, but that has been changing and it's been organic. And now we see less reliance on workers in downtown and we see more residents in downtown. So those ratios are constantly shifting. And it gets back to those stakeholders. It's figuring out what those stakeholders want, making sure that we all want to build that vibrant, equitable, and inclusive downtown. Like that has to be the baseline. And let's figure out how to make that happen, even with differing views. To me, if you have a differing view, that's fine. 
because that means you still probably have passion for downtown. Let's figure a way to turn that passion into something that's productive, that works for others as well. So we have a lot of leaders and aspiring leaders that listen to the show. And so obviously you're dealing with these, this dynamic on a much, much bigger scale than maybe a small business would or a small organization or a school. However, leaders do deal with this ever-changing dynamic, as you said. And I was looking at the website for Downtown Madison, Inc., and you have so many amazing goals to work on making sure that downtown is living up to the ideals that your organization sets out. And so I'm curious, how do you manage keeping the connections with the people that you value so much while sometimes needing to go a different direction? And how do you just navigate those decisions and those conversations while still working with everybody's passions, you know, even if they're differing from yours. That's something that I'm really hoping to give leaders on this show is some tools and strategies. And so I'm curious, what does that look like for you? That's an excellent question. And something that, and I, you know, I'm, I'll say my age, I'm 46, right? I've been working on for, for 20, 25 years in my professional career. And I think for me, it's about building relationships. You need to build relationships with everyone around you, people you work with, and honestly, people you don't work with. And you need to build a relationship when you don't have your hand out. And what I mean by that is you're not specifically asking for something or need something from that person. I'm part of an organization that's trying to create connections between Madison and Milwaukee called the Hone Group. And the mantra of the Hone Group is very similar to this mantra with the relationships, is that change moves at the speed of trust. And the only way you can build trust is through relationships. And the only true way to build a relationship is, again, when it's not a transactional matter. And so if it's just getting to know somebody and understanding who they are and learning who they are, that's the best way to start. But then you have to nurture those relationships. It's like a plant. you got to water it. you got to go to coffee every once in a while. Don't feed coffee to a plant. I guess that's a terrible analogy. But... You, you, you need to nurture those relationships. And when you do need something, it becomes so much easier to actually move forward and make those connections. And honestly, the person that you're building a relationship is going to think that way as well. So to me, it is all about building relationships as frequently and as much as you can. And the best way to do that is, honestly, not everyone's an extrovert. I understand that. I'm an extreme extrovert, Right. But there are ways to, to, to do that in, in other ways. And one of the ways I'd see is to get involved in the community and to join a board or an emerging leaders group or to join your neighborhood association. Those are really built in ways to make connections and build those relationships because you're going to see that person every single month. And every month you're going to say, well, how's your dog? How's your child? Whatever. And building that relationship little bit by little bit. So you can just go out and meet people like I have no problem doing. Or if you're a little more introverted, use the system to build those relationships. But to me, it is all about relationships in the end. It's all about relationships for building community, but also, you know, building your own sort of personal side of what's happening in your business or your nonprofit. It's a really good reminder because one thing that I find myself doing a lot is like nose to the grindstone. Like I have my list, I've got to get it done because it has to get done. If I don't do it, it's not going to get done for any of my programs or any of my groups or anything like that. And so it is a good reminder that those extras that feel like extras really like do feed so much. So that, thank you for that reminder, because those are the first things to get cut, right? Is like that, that meeting, I don't really have anything to do with it, whatever. I'm going to just call in for that or zoom in or whatever. But you're, you're so right that those relationships don't get built without those moments. Well, I think you have to do with intent too, right? You have to schedule time in your calendar, like literally schedule that relationship building time 
or join a group, right? If you join, say, Rotary, and I'm becoming the president of Rotary, you know, that you have a set time, Wednesdays from 1145 to 115, that's going to be in your calendar. Be intentful with it and make sure that you build those times in. And if you join something that you're passionate about. I am. I happen to be the chair of the Dane County Airport Commission. I love airports. I don't know why. I love everything about air travel and airports. So I'm passionate about it. And therefore, I'm going to give everything I can into that organization. And therefore, I'm, I build those relationships because I love airports. It doesn't have to be airports. It could be puppy dogs. It could be kids. It could be you know service. It doesn't matter what it is. But have intent with what you want it to do. And that intention is in an area that you like. I think you're going to you're going to find that you're going to connect with a lot of people because then again you also have a commonality most likely with those people and it's just going to be easier to build that relationship and it's again not transactional but each one of those relationships can make a difference down the line you never know especially in a city like Madison that's not that big you never know when you might need assistance from that person it's interesting because in addition to this podcast, I also own the podcast network and the hosts of the shows on the network are all people that I know from completely distinct areas of my life. And yet we have over the past six months figured out that they, like, the web runs deep, that there's a connection between them all. So you're so right. Madison is a big, small place and, and that's, it's a good reminder and, and giving me some food for thought. So, I mean, you know, it, many people say it's six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I mean, it, it's like two degrees of Kevin Bacon here in Madison. People know each other. We, we It is changing. We are growing significantly. We're particularly, we're growing with young folks and Gen Z employees. It still is a small town, which can be good and can be bad. But I, I think it means you, you really need to t- take care of those relationships, grow those relationships in Use them when you need to. Don't be afraid to use those relationships when you need to. That's another piece of advice. I think in the Midwest, we, we love to build maybe some social credibility and then we don't use it. I am the world's maybe the worst at this. But sometimes when you need something, it's for a job or for your personal network, yeah. ask. And people in the Midwest are usually willing to help. That's a great reminder too. This is how we're sitting here today is that I remembered meeting you a couple of years ago at an event and I was like, we're just going to make the ask. And so I'm, I'm grateful that you're here. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm very glad you made the ask. And I, I, I remember that. Great, it was a great event at the Overture Center. So thanks. Yeah. For, yeah thanks for supporting downtown. <laughs> Go, nice plug again on brand. Yeah. Yeah. See, shameless. Shameless. So DMI works with local government officials to advocate for initiatives and policies like you mentioned. And I'm just curious if you can share a little bit about how your early work as legal counsel and in law school really prepared you for that, if it did, and and how those pieces of your career puzzle fit together. Yes, they do fit together. So I I have changed not jobs, but I've changed careers multiple times in my 20 to 25 years of being a professional. I actually taught school. It's not even on my resume. I was a long-term substitute in high school. Actually, it was one of the greatest jobs I've ever had. I, I, I loved it, loved it, loved it. I was in the Peace Corps, uh, so that's international debate, international development, then went immediately into law school. I don't know why I'm going on my resume, but maybe it, 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 I, I think there's a point here to this, I promise. And I worked in politics, the legal counsel for politicians. I had already worked for politicians prior to law school, but then once I was a lawyer, I worked more directly with folks. And so that was working in politics. Then I, an abrupt stop, I my, met my now wife in Minneapolis. She was a VISTA AmeriCorps volunteer in Minneapolis, and I was going to law school. I'm born and raised in downtown Minneapolis. And we met, and then she started to go to law school in Madison, where she's from. And of course, being the typical Midwestern guy, it's like, oh, let's do a long distance relationship. Let's commit. And it worked out great. I 
I lost my job when the Congressman Martin Sable retired from the 5th District of Congress in Minneapolis. And I thought, well, I'm in this relationship. Let's go down to Madison. And it was the best thing that ever happened because not only did I fall in love with the woman that I'm still married and we have a wonderful uh, little boy, but I also fell in love with the city of Madison. So this is where the big change happened. And I was worked in the state house here in the Capitol across the street. Well, you don't know where I am because this is, but anyway, I am across the street from the Capitol and didn't love the job, stopped. And I thought, what do I really want to do with my career? And at that point, I thought, I want to own my own little boutique hotel. When I was in the Peace Corps, in my third year, I was the regional leader of the Peace Corps in, in Niger, West Africa. And I knew an American and his Nigerian wife who owned a hotel. And I loved that. I loved that experience. But you know what you can't do? You can't go to a bank. You can't go to Park Bank or BMO or US Bank and say, hey, can I have $20 million to start my own little boutique hotel? So I decided I'm going to try everything, every part of the hospitality business. And I became a bellman at the Madison Concourse Hotel, quickly worked my way up to bell captain. My wife started a job in after law school in Milwaukee, moved to Milwaukee and kept up my career and then came back to Madison. And now I'm uh, in the civic space, which we, we talked about before. So the reason why I tell you this story is people can change careers and every one of those careers adds up to where I am now. And it, give, it gives me a skill set, a unique skill set, not a perfect skill set, but a unique skill set to do the job that I do now. So I pull from all of those. And if we go backwards, I pull from hospitality. I mean, basically, my job is to run a large hotel that is just a downtown space, right? The Ahara at Camp Randall. And I try to be as nice and outgoing and hospitable to, to all of our members. These are members that they opt into our organization. And Let's treat them with the best customer service possible. I use the, what I learned in politics. That's, that one's pretty obvious and pretty direct. We, we work with a lot of local politicians, and I, I, I do tend to understand the system. Having a lawyer's mind never hurts, right? You understand certain issues, particularly legislation, but also HR, you know, and in the Peace Corps. I learned that I can do anything, right? I was in the world's poorest country. It was 110 degrees every single day. I, you know, it was hard as can be in foreign languages, and I learned more about myself. And so... My point of this is not to give my resume, but it is about to making sure everything you do is a step to the whatever progression you want to have. And I'm not a guy that has a plan, right? I didn't have this plan to become the leader of Downtown Madison Inc. by having those other jobs. I just took the skills that I learned in the current job, made the most of it, expanded the next skills on the next job, and then then good things sort of happened there moving forward. So, you know, I... I I would highly recommend taking every job very seriously and being willing to pivot and to turn. And again, I want to be very clear, this is a very privileged position that I'm in, right? I've had the financial ability and I'm a white male, right? So, so doors are sort of much more open for me. But I, I still think people can take the risk with their careers and take chances and just continue to follow what you want to do and learn from each of those positions and expand on it, whatever your next opportunity is. I love that. And I'm so glad that you got into all the details of your career path, because I do think that that is something that is more prevalent right now with leaders than maybe it was 20, 30 years ago, where you kind of, you followed the trajectory, you stuck with the formula and you ended up at the quote top. And so I appreciate that story so much. And I love that you said that you don't have a plan because I don't really have a plan either. It just sort of, it's a gut check when you just follow what's the next right thing. And when you look back, you're like, oh yeah, these pieces all did fit together. So I love it. Thanks yeah. One, one quick note too, I mean, like the question of like, what is the top? And to me, that's a really important question. I think in America, there's a pressure to be at the top, whatever, again, whatever that means. 
to me, I think you need to define what the top is for you. Like not everyone needs to be CEO. Not everyone needs to be head of whatever. You need to figure out what's best for you and your happiness and your family's happiness and make that the top. And maybe it is just working half time and you get to spend half the time with your children. Right? I mean, Ashley Kinto Powell, who was on earlier, you know, prioritizes this so much. And I have a newborn and I'm trying to figure out the exact same thing. And so figuring out what the top is, I think, is, is important. It isn't the same for everybody. And that is OK. Professional side should only be part of who you are as a person. And. I think if you really, I need, to, and I'm. This is one was meditative, Jamie. Thank you. You're getting me as with this eight month old now to like figure this out. But like, I need to prioritize more my family as well, and I think that's going to make me a better employee. So, yeah, thank you, thank you for sort of talking through this. I didn't. Are you a certified therapist? You maybe you are. I don't know. I, I am not. I am a yoga teacher. But <laughs> well, there we go. So like, yes, there we go. There you go. Yeah. And and I'm going to add on to your point here is that the top can change from person to person and also in phase of life. So congratulations on your baby. I am at the other end of youth parenting. My kids are teenagers. And so there's been different phases and different moments where like the top has changed so much. And what I, I think that your point is so good. It's so needed. Again, it goes back to this formula that we were given as kids of what success looked like. I think we're doing a much better job. And I don't know whether that's because we're in Madison and people are more in tune with these, this type of thing and recognize that we're, you know, individuals with different stories and different backgrounds and everything, but the top can be defined from person to person and also moment to moment. And so I really, yeah, look at where this conversation headed. I love it. Anytime, anytime. So if we back up even more, if we think like before your robust career, were there any tendencies towards stepping into leadership that you had as a child or do you see any traits of yours now that were really shining as a kid that led you to this point? There's nothing that stands out. I mean, I was like captain of my sports teams and stuff like that, for sure. But I'd never really been that sort of alpha leader. That's not really who I am. I think I have some of those traits and I can certainly lead. Leadership is, that's also an organic process and you're always learning. But no, I don't think there was anything, any one trait that sort of led me to this, except for, I, I I don't know what this term this is in fashion now and say what your superpower is, but I would, I think anyone would say my superpower is my energy, right? I mean, I, I, I have a lot of energy. Some people might say it's too much. My parents at times, I'm sure when I was growing up, my wife right now is, you know, I, I have a lot of energy. I need to get it out. And that's allowed me to, to do a lot because I have this natural energy. I will admit, and this is maybe personal, but I'll go there because I think it'll help some folk. Is, you know, I have ADHD. I don't think that's a surprise. It's not actually clinically diagnosed. And I, I went into a doctor at one point to say, should we diagnose this? Because, you know, I have all the sort of signs of it. But he said, well, look, this is later, this is about 15 years ago. He said, well, why do you want to do that? He said, it seems to me your success comes from the fact that your mind works differently than others right? That I have a lot of energy, not always a trait of ADHD, I should say, but can be. And I also can carry a lot of different thoughts in my head at any one time and they can switch. Some careers, like if I was going to be an engineer, that might not be a good thing. If I was going to be an actual attorney, which I was for about 20 minutes, you know, that might not be good for a transactional attorney. But for the positions that I've sought out, hospitality, politics, that energy and that, that ADHD has been beneficial to me. So I have not gotten the diagnosis and I've not medicated. So 
my success comes from leaning into what at times during my youth was probably, no, it was problematic. But now I've tried to figure a way to take what was a problem and make it into something good. And I'm not everyone's cup of tea. So I'm sure people are listening to this being like, yeah, that guy's just got way too much energy. But if they don't like me, they're probably not listening to this anyway. So never mind. Never mind. Well, and, and I think that's so true. Like you just described that your weeks are set up so that not only no two days are the same, but no two weeks are the same. And so you really set yourself up with a career where you can thrive in that way. And I think that kind of goes back to the, the topic we were just talking about, about defining your own setup for yourself. And so whether that's the top or your schedule or everything like that, I mean, my career is, we obviously do different work, but very, very similar. I want, I could be, you know, I'm a kid's yoga instructor. And so I could be doing, you know, downward dog and barking with a bunch of toddlers one minute and then it doing a podcast recording with a community leader the next minute and then writing contracts for my after school program in another minute, et cetera. And so I relate to what you just said very much. Yes. And I, whatever's next for me. And if my bosses on DMI are listening, there's no next right now, but it'll, it'll, it has to be high energy, people oriented, because that, that's who I am. And I don't, yeah, that part, I, yeah. I'm not willing to compromise as much. And I, I want to do things that, that make me happy. Sitting at a desk nine to five, it wouldn't make me happy. And honestly, because of that, I wouldn't be that of an effective an employee for that employer. I love it. So we've talked a lot about your success. What is a leadership lesson that you have learned the hard way? Yeah, I, because of that energy, listening is not always my greatest strength. I can tend to talk over people, I'm surprised I haven't done that with you. Maybe I have even on this podcast. I I, I need to work on listening because it, it, it really is. If you truly listen, you will find the answer without saying anything. But because I'm high energy and get out there, I really like to be out on the front foot a lot. My That's my weakness. And that's something that I constantly am trying to work on and be more patient with, which is also a good part of listening, right? And just really listening and, and understanding what people are saying. So if you were to give, I, I might know the answer to this based on what you just said, but if you could go back and talk to Jason on day one of this role, if you could give yourself a piece of advice, what would that advice be? I, well, hold on a second here. You thought you knew the answer. What do you think the answer is? Oh, I, I was, <laughs> was going to guess something about listening because you just said that profound answer about being a listener. Oh, yeah, that's, that's fair. Well, then I, now I can't use that. I shouldn't have brought the question back to you. Boomerang. And now the key to answering questions is actually taking the time while the questions are being answered to, to think up yeah. your answer. Now I'm now I'm at a loss. What I would do differently, that's a really hard thing to say because I had this. So if you think about the six-year tenure at DMI for me, I had about two years of everything being relatively normal, whatever that means in quotes, and then COVID, and then now sort of coming out of it. And COVID had severe effects on downtown, obviously small business, and it's just residents and, and office workers, and so much happened, and, you know, so much negative happened. I think I would have leaned in, begrudgingly, but leaned into planning. I know I just said I wasn't a planner, but I would have brought an organization in, which we just did this in COVID to do serious strategic planning for the organization, because now I very clearly know what I should. And I think almost more importantly, what I shouldn't be working on, because it's very clearly laid out in a, in a detailed strategic plan that we put together. Uh, we About a year ago, we finished. And, and that has helped significantly. I would have done that sooner in my tenure, probably right before COVID. And that, I think that would help with the direction of the organization and the, the direction of my work. So that's interesting, because 
So how long is the plan? Like is, you said, six to 10 years? No, no, just three to five years. Uh, I've been here six years. I probably would have started that. I should have started it in year two. If you're a new leader in an organization, the first year you got to figure out where the bathroom is and who the people are, right? I mean, it just takes some time with a job like this. The second year, I probably should have done it. The intent was to do it the third year, but obviously when COVID happened, we, it changed the course of everything, right? So we were able to then use the end of COVID to start that process. But I, strategic planning to me, I've, I've done it throughout my career. I wouldn't say it's my favorite thing to do, but I now really understand the importance of it. And so therefore I bring people in that that are good at it to, to help with it. Okay, that work. makes sense. It's I, I I resist the big planning process so often, but I... I think that that is probably the piece I need to bring someone in who that excites because for me, I'm like, but I don't know what's going to happen next year. Look at what has happened in my career because I haven't made a plan and all of that. Yeah, that's a really good point, Jamie. You're totally right because I resist a plan and I actually think a lot of positive comes without a plan, sort of just going with it. But I think that's creating a plan that allows for some variance and some uh, a spectrum of different activities I think is key because then that fits right, into who I am point. and we as, us as an organization because I mean, come on. They used to be like five-year plans. There's no way we know in the downtown space in five years what it's going to look like. And so it's going to have to be somewhat organic. And you have to be willing to do that and make those changes. And your board has to back you up and the other leaders have to back you up in that. Okay. I have some last sort of rapid fire questions for you as we finish up our conversation. Does anyone come to mind that you could shout out who believed in your leadership skills maybe even before you did? Oh, good question. It's definitely my wife. So... I think I was already a leader when I met her, probably in some respects, but she pushes me and pushes me and pushes me. And there's a lot of pushback by me, right? Because it's my wife, but she's doing it to try to make me a better person. And her and I are polar opposites, which is why I think we work. And so she pushes me into really think through issues. She's also an attorney, which is also positive, right? So she makes me think through what's going on. She's my inspiration, particularly now. She's has three jobs, four jobs. I mean, she's a mom first and she's my wife. She also is a full-time civil rights attorney, but also is starting a nonprofit. And she's an entrepreneur, which her company is about to take off. And so she pushes me to be the best professional that I can be. And I, I need to listen to her more clearly. So Rachel, if you're listening, there you go. I need to listen to you more. Major shout out to your wife. I love it. Personally, is there one tool or strategy for staying organized or effective in your very varied schedule? Yeah, you know, I'm an Outlook guy. I learned Outlook a long time ago when I worked for Congress and like the power of actually scheduling. So I schedule everything. It's 40 to sometimes 50 items at any one time, but everything is in that schedule. And therefore you have it on your phone. Now it's all in the cloud, right? That the power of Outlook to me is is amazing. And I'm only scratching the surface, but I couldn't do my job without Outlook. Finish the sentence. One thing people don't know or realize about my work is. Oh my God. I think you stumped me. Uh, Can you ask the question again? Yes. Wow. That is a good question, Jamie. I am rarely at a loss for work. (laughs) The question is finish this sentence. One thing people don't know or realize about my work is. That it takes a, a ton of people of it takes all of us, honestly, to build the downtown that is for everybody, right? And that it isn't just a few of us leaders that are doing this work. It's every single person that's interacting with downtown to make the downtown that we want. Well, that was a gold seal answer. I think I got to the answer, but that took a while. Wow, that is a good question. Do you have a favorite leadership book, podcast, or resource that you go to? So, no, I, I'll just admit right now, I rarely, rarely, if ever, read leadership books or management books. 
I'm a huge believer in mentor relationships. That's that is for me the key. And I, I don't call it mentor mentee relationships because every person that's a mentor in my life, I, I, I try to be a mentor and it goes both ways, right? So even someone that's like a 22 year old new into their career, I can learn a tremendous amount from them. So I learn everything I know from my mentors and from, from sort of my tribe. Love it. All right. This one's going to be a challenging question for you because you've got a lot of allegiances here. So if you had a day off, completely off from work and you could not accomplish anything and the baby was taken care of and you had no tasks to do in your day, what is one activity that you would do and one place that you would go to have something to eat? And I'm going to put an asterisk that it cannot be downtown. Well, so then thank you for that. Appreciate that. The I would go out to breakfast with I would take my baby Mateo, but I would also be with Rachel every weekend. We go to the original pancake house on uh, University Avenue, no matter what is happening in our lives. And it's our way of of centering. Uh, So I would do that. And then the second thing I would do, because this is something I don't do enough, I would try to get out on onto the water. We have such great assets here with the lakes, but I, I don't spend a lot of time out on the water. And I think it'd be amazing to do a family adventure with just the three of us out on the water. Love it. Uh, I will wish for that day for you sometime soon when your outlook, your old school outlook is clear. <laughs> We've got to schedule it. <laughs> yes, schedule and outlook unfortunately go on to the weekends. Yeah, yeah outlook yeah. goes on the weekends too. Yeah. Well, Jason, thank you so, so much for joining me. I really appreciated our conversation. Where can the listeners find out more about you and your organization if they wanted to get in touch or read more? Yeah, so thank you for that. Certainly go to our website, www.downtownmadison.org. And if you want to learn anything more about me, which I don't know why you would, but you can. LinkedIn is the only social media that I'm on. So certainly look me up on LinkedIn and connect with me. And I'd love to connect with anyone. And I just want to say a huge Thank you, Jamie, for doing podcasts like this. It matters. You bring in such great people, again, like Ashley Clinton Powell and, and Alan Carlson, and so many people to, to, to share the, everyone's stories. It's a great opportunity, and, and you do a great job of asking really hard questions. So well, well done. I'll take it. Well, thank you so much. And we'll link everything in the show notes. And thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next time with another intriguing interview. Follow the Leaders is produced by Lit Path Studios, and music is by Shane Ivers. You can hear more about this show and all the other podcasts at LitPath Studios by going to www.litpathstudios.com.